Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackethman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored, joined here by my co-host, Amber Hunter. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Good day. It's a beautiful day here in Montreal, and we have a great guest from the Great White North. Yes, we are lucky enough to have Nilu Baroon with us today. So, listeners, this is going to be a very Canada-centric episode, I'm delighted to say. Uh, Nilu has a almost storied career, you'd say, right out of school. She started working for the Assembly of Ontario. Um, she was a legislative assistant. She then moved on as a policy advisor in Invest Toronto, was then promoted to the province, uh, working in the office of the Ontario Premier for economic development and trade issues. And she was recently appointed as executive director for Consider Canada, which works in tandem with the major Canadian city economic development organizations. So she has a foothold in politics and policy and in economic development. So I can't wait to hear her thoughts on how promoting Canada has worked in government, how she's implemented policies and and now what she'll do in her new role, um, as well as her thoughts on, you know, the USMCA or the Kuzma, as the Canadians call it, the new NAFTA. Uh, many titles, depending on where you are. So uh, I think we're really fortunate and I can't wait to hear her thoughts. So get your maple syrup and your poutine ready because here we go. (laughs) Exactly. Let's dial in everybody. Today's guest all the way from Toronto, Neva Baroon. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How are things uh, in Hogtown? Um, things are pretty good. Uh, we are, you know, uh, slowly transitioning out of, uh, stage two here of the lockdown in Toronto. Um, so slowly going back to normal. Um, if you, if we can call it that normal or not, but, um, yeah, things are not bad. A very, very humid day today. If I can say that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it is in your, in your side of the country, but (laughs) Yeah, we've had a heat wave here in Montreal. It looks like you'll also have the uh, Stanley Cup uh, bubble playoffs coming to Toronto as well. Yes, that's true. We have, uh, we are, I guess, depends on what side of the coin you're on, kind of lucky or unlucky to have uh, uh, half of the NHL teams here in Toronto. So maybe it will bring us a little bit of luck for the Maple Leafs. Well, at least you can finally have the Stanley Cup in Toronto somehow. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I have to say that as a Habs fan, right? He couldn't help himself. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Well, you know, Neelu, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. You know, we came across Consider Canada, which you've been newly appointed as the executive director. So a major congratulations to that. Uh, A little later on, we're going to ask you to kind of dive in and maybe tell the listeners, you know, what that organization is about and what their mission is. But first, I want to kind of backtrack and just kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, your experience and expertise, because I was reviewing your profile and you seem to have held a lot of major positions, especially within Ontario. And it's 
super impressive. Um, I noticed that it seems you began your career working as a legislative assistant for the Assembly of Ontario. I'd love to know what led you there. Did you foresee a job in government? Did you know what economic development even was at that time? No, so um, you're right. I started my career in Queens Park. Um, I, it's a, it's a typical story, you know. You study business in university, and you have this plan that you're going to come out and do X, Y, Z, and it doesn't pan out that way. That's essentially what happened with me. I I come from an international trade family, if I can call it that. Um, you know, my dad is a entrepreneur. Um, we I was born in Iran. And uh, as long as I can remember, you know, my dad was always traveling around the world. He has a well, he had he's now retired, um, had a trade company that he eventually transitioned over to Canada. So we moved straight to Richmond Hill. Um, he started that business and I kind of grew up in it and had this vision that that's that's the path that I wanted to go on. I wanted to be in trade. Um, I was quite passionate about it. It's something that fascinated me. So. Um, yeah, you, you, if you look at my CV, all of a sudden I ended up being in, uh, in Queens Park and in politics, it, I kind of fell into it. Um, my, um, uh, it's, it's interesting because now the diaspora here in Toronto is so wide, particularly in Richmond Hill, you know, the Iranian community is massive now. However, in 95, there wasn't that many of us. So it was, you know, our family and another family. Uh, in the building we lived in, and Dr. Reza Maridi was was that uh, uh, gentleman that lived there, and he decided that he wanted to run for politics and for the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. So, uh, in short, volunteerism is how I uh, fell into politics. I started helping him out on the campaign, and uh, once he was successful in 2007, after uh, I completed my university degree, he asked me to join him at Queen's Park as a legislative assistant. So, I kind of fell into it because, you know, it's really challenging coming out of university fresh to find that that dream job that you always wanted. So I, I took a risk and uh, learned lots of lots of new skills and, and got myself quite involved in uh, Ontario liberal politics. That's fascinating and, and great to hear, you know, the, the success stories of, of people that did study poli-sci. Uh, I'm assuming you studied poli-sci. Was it that? No, I actually studied business. I studied business management at York University. Oh, amazing. And then getting a great job outside of university, I think for anyone that's listening and still studying, it can happen. I am a poli-sci student. And at the time, most people were said, okay, that's a degree so that you can have a social life. But, it, you know, there's actually jobs, uh, you know, outside of it, especially in economic development, which of course is a field that when we're talking to a lot of people, we realize and some of the, you know, the CEOs of today that they didn't know economic development, even as it stands, this industry existed until they kind of stumbled on it by chance. Um, it seems like you had a really good background um, and, you know, you were working as a policy advisor, but then it looks like you transitioned to Invest Toronto. So really working in trade. Can you kind of speak to that transition and was it everything you hoped for or what that, you know, what that looked like? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, uh, it came at the at the right time again. Um, I kind of say this a lot. Uh, I have a couple of mentees um, that you know I try to help, especially uh, young women that are trying to establish their careers. And they always ask me that question of how were you able to get to where you are? And for me, it's always been you know building your network and volunteering. So um, 
funny enough, it, it, this opportunity presented itself from me meeting somebody in uh, Kathleen Wynn's leadership campaign back in 2012. Um, so, and that person was, uh, you know, a VP at Invest Toronto, and they kind of saw my work ethic and my passion for investment and trade, it, although I wasn't really working in that field. And asked if I would be interested, and they had a job opening, so I, I went for it. And uh, it was a it was a tough decision to make a transition, coming from you know having freshly become a policy advisor in uh, Ministry of Research Innovation, uh, working for you know uh, Minister Maridi. But I think it was a really right choice because it was it was it had finally taken me back to the career path that I was envisioning, uh, back you know in my youthful days of being in university. So. That transition was was interesting. I, you know, this is a good time to give credit to the Ontario bureaucracy because um, I came into working at a restaurant. I realized, wow, there's so much work that the bureaucracy, uh, you know, and the Ontario officials were doing for us, creating all these amazing uh, policy documents and briefing binders. And all of a sudden, all of this was, you know, put on me. You know, I had to plan my first mission to China within the first three months that I was at Invest Toronto. Um, so it really, it really threw me, you know, in, into the deep end, and and I kind of learned really quickly, and was in Beijing by October. I started in August, so it was a it was a really, really great, great experience for sure. And that's that that was my start and career path into economic development. Wow! So they threw you through the ringer, and you clearly came out on top because after Invest Toronto, it seems as though there's a major promotion, and you worked for you know Ontario, the international trade, economic development, research innovation, and citizenship and immigration policies. That was a mouthful, but can we all say that I got through it? <laughs> um, so you were doing this kind of policy advising uh, for economic development, citizenship, and immigration with the office of the premier. What was that like uh, taking on that kind of role? Was there a lot of pressure did you find or was it sort of just business as usual? Uh, it was very different, you know, being in a central role in government in premier's office, um, you are kind of seen as the last stop uh, and the first, I guess, uh, in in uh, how policy shaped for the province. Um, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, responsibility. And I, you know, thank the premier for putting that trust in, in me on these files, these very important files that ended up being, um, you know, uh, trade is was not a, a huge. Typically, it's not a huge policy file for for the provinces because it is mainly a federally mandated file. But uh, as we all know, in 2016, the U.S. got a new president and he had different ideas for trade agreements and NAFTA was one of those. So that kind of threw me into a, a really, really interesting uh, new uh, challenge, which was the renegotiation of NAFTA. Um, so all the uh, the nuances and ensuring that our our businesses here, our stakeholders in Ontario, particularly in the auto industry or in the you know life sciences sector and the pharma and the tech industry, um, that we were able to represent their interests with within Ottawa and their um, uh, in, in the renegotiations that they were having with officials in the U.S. So uh, it was really great. I think, as you can see, mainly my policy files were. Um, economic in nature, uh, but I did have one social policy file, which was the citizenship immigration. And, you know, as I always say this, as my lived experience as an immigrant, it was a very, very um, important file for me. 
particularly it was around the time of the Syrian refugee crisis. And uh, we had to make sure that, um, you know, I came at the 12 month point, which is which was a very critical turning point on uh, services and supports that we as a province were providing these refugees that had come and started to call Canada and Ontario home. So um, I found it very fulfilling. And I always say this, that that I feel like public policy is the most rewarding type of work because you actually see firsthand some of the decisions and things that you advocate for and you push for and you fight for and how they can impact everyday people's lives. There's not a lot of jobs out there that that can do that. And working in a central place in Ontario, working with a premier like Kathleen Wynne, she's a fantastic human being to begin with and a very smart, capable woman. The first female openly gay premier of the province couldn't be more proud to work for her. That certainly does sound rewarding. Now, uh, back to NAFTA. Obviously, this month, the USMCA was ratified. Uh, what do you think the new NAFTA will be in terms of influencing uh, trilateral trade between Canada, United States, and Mexico? Well, I think it's, um, you know, ensured. I think it, it's definitely a positive. Um, I think for, for Canada, the ratification couldn't come soon enough. I think we all know that there's a lot of other factors out there, like what's happening with the WTO, uh, with the blocking of, of judges uh, becoming something of uh, an unusual norm. Um, you know, trade rat- trade ratification, free trade agreements are, are more critical and important than ever. Um, NAFTA, particularly, the provisions kind of ensure greater certainty, stability for investment decisions. Um, it creates that that certainty that we need. And that's one of the main things that we as uh, folks in economic development uh, and as we're promoting our regions, we always um, talk about free trade agreements. I'm sure uh, you guys are quite familiar with that and what an advantage that is um, to every to to having um, to having that free trade agreement. Um, So in short, I think. I think it's a it's a positive. Uh, the Kuzma, I think we call it right in Canada. <laughs> yes, we have a mostly American audience. I thought I would call it the USMCA. <laughs> this is that's the very um, different part of uh, the new NAFTA, USMCA, Kuzma. Uh, you know, but it it continues to enhance uh, this region, this really strong uh, bilateral, trilateral agreement in North America. Um, and we have to we have to ensure that it continues. And I think it's overall overall a, a great positive for for investment. Could you see more FDI coming between the U.S. and Canada because of this agreement? Yeah, I mean, it, historically, this trade agreement has increased that direct investment. Right. Um, I think the stock of Canadian direct investment in Mexico uh, increased since NAFTA entered into force uh, from, you know, somewhere around the 500 million mark in 93 to, you know, uh, almost 17 billion in, uh, in 2016, 2017. Um, so it, it's quite important. And we have created um, industries and sectors, for instance, like the auto industry that are quite reliant on this free trade agreement between the three countries. And, you know, if you, if we were to pull this out and all of a sudden, uh, have uh, go back and revert back to the days, um, you know, of that auto industry, because we had this free trade agreement specifically for the auto sector, it would have been uh, disastrous for the industry. Uh, at the end of the day, disastrous also for the end users and customers, because all you will see is increase in uh, prices of, of goods. Um, yeah. 
You were recently appointed the executive director for Consider Canada. Congratulations. Thank you. Can you discuss uh, what led to, what led you to the organization and what the mission of the group is? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've historically I was uh, when I worked at Investron I was the representative uh, for Toronto at Consider Canada. And, you know, it was initially born um, almost a decade ago with seven cities deciding that together they're stronger than, uh, you know, individually. So they got together um, and Mike Darch, uh, who is a very well-known person in economic development, shout out to Mike for starting Consider Canada City Alliance. Um, and so together, they, they put together this group to work directly with the federal government with one voice. So as it stands today, uh, we have 12 members. So CCCA uh, represents Canada's largest economic development agencies and regions to promote Canada as the number one destination for investment and trade. Uh, I have members that stretch from the Atlantic coast all the way to the west um, so we have great proportional representation and they all have very different value propositions, very different um, uh, investment and trade targets. Uh, but, you know, it's a for me personally, it, it felt like such a great next step, um, given my personal experience working in the field, uh, working uh, hands on on FDI investment deals and having worked in government at in various different roles and most recently in um, at the office of the premier in Ontario. So it just, it was a very, very natural fit. And I'm very proud to be uh, the new executive director there. In your opinion, what sets Canada apart in terms of location attractiveness compared to the United States? Uh, a great question. You know, I think I always love talking about, talking to an investor that is sitting there in front of you and telling you, you know, I'm really considering uh, U.S. and Europe for my next destination. That actually had happened to me when I uh, when I worked at Invest Toronto. I met with a Brazilian company in, um, uh, sorry, a pharmaceutical company in Brazil that was considering New Jersey and Switzerland as their next destination for a massive investment for uh, their next clinical uh, phase two trials. Ultimately, they ended up coming to Toronto and they landed in Mississauga. Uh, that that took maybe, I would say, two months. Uh, but it was because people are not quite aware of what exists in Canada. So to answer your question, I think, you know, it, it boils down to public policy decision making around things like quality of life, access to education, healthcare, and of course, our strategic approach to building free trade agreements and bridges with other nations. Um, you know, whereas in the U.S., there is a bit of insular, nationalistic um, public policy approach that's coming from the White House that is uh, opposite of what Canada is and uh, opposite of what we stand for. And, you know, I can dive deep into all the other reasons why Canada is a great place um, compared to the compared to the U.S. We're, we're quite similar. Uh, but very different at the same time. You know, our, I think, talent, if you talk to any company these days, is their number one concern. Uh, where are my workers coming from? Where are they going to love to stay? Uh, where where do they want to build a, f a family? Is there good education? Is there good health care? And Canada provides that. You know, I think uh, the OECD continues to rank us as, as the most highly educated workforce. 
uh, in the world. And, um, uh, you know, this goes back to talking about public policy decision making is if you can't find that talent here, uh, you can find international talent through uh, streams that we've created, for instance, the global skill strategy. Uh, that's, you know, you can get an eligible worker uh, to to come and receive work permits in as little as two weeks in Canada. And, you know, in the United States, we have the, the H-1B uh, visa issues that continue to um, really hinder growth and competitiveness of American companies and international companies that have decided to invest in America. And now they can't either retain their talent or they can't attract international talent. So, um, you know, we, we are, we are certainly very strong on that front. And again, going back to free trade agreements, um, we have preferential market access through 14 trade agreements to 51 countries. And I think that's nearly 1.5 million consumers. So, a great place, great place to work, invest, and live. What What do you think about in terms of the policies and rhetoric uh, from coming from the United States? Do you think it's made an actual material difference in the amount of talented uh, workers Canada has been able to attract up here? Um, it definitely has. I, I think you know, uh, anecdotally speaking to my colleagues in various government departments and my members, as soon as uh, a few weeks ago when the uh, president uh, in the U.S. made that comment about H-1B1, um, they got a slew of calls uh, from clients and from companies in the U.S. Uh, I know that there are definitely some of my members are targeting these companies. Uh, because they are they are frustrated. They're frustrated that they can't get the talent they want or they can't retain the talent that they have. And so they're going to seriously look at Canada. And it's not a far stretch because, um, you know, we, we have we have the, the capacity to be able to do business in the same time zones. Um, we are we have the free trade agreement going back to uh, uh, USMCA. Um, so, yeah, I think it's 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 unfortunate what's happening in the U.S., the rhetoric um, it's definitely impacting decision making. Uh, and, you know, we I continue to go back to political stability that we have in our country. Uh, and that's a, a massive advantage for us here. Well, thank you for taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Certainly appreciate it. How could people get in touch with you? Um, so you can go on our website or uh, LinkedIn or I can, you know, e email me. No problem. Nilu at considercanada.com. Thank you so right. much, Nilo. It was amazing to hear your thoughts um, about, you know, the current state of affairs. Um, I think you really positioned Canada. Just you said it perfectly. I think we're definitely, you know, a hub of talent and um, just overeducated. I think that's kind of the line I always saw. You know, I work in business development and I, and I, I travel a lot and they say, what sets your firm apart? And I said, well, it's in Canada. Everybody has a master's or an MBA or a PhD. It's crazy. The, the level of, of, uh, of education that you can find and uh, quality of talent. So it's definitely something we boast about. So I really appreciate you, you know, bringing that up. No problem. My pleasure. If I can actually, uh, for your listeners, there's a very, uh, very timely report that came out today, State of Trade 2020 by the Office of the Chief Economist at Global Affairs Canada, that talks about the early impacts of COVID-19 on trade. So uh, if you want a good read, I haven't personally gone through it yet because it, it was just released today. Uh, but it shows some uh, interesting uh, results for Canada and the impact that's happened. So it goes back to 
uh, the infrastructure that we've been able to build here over over many years to you know continue the flow of investment and trade. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 